Amen. As we talk about today, thank God very apropos, we talk about faith. Faith, how important it is to have faith. What does faith do? What does faith look like? How does faith work? If we understand that faith is the currency within God's economy, which is love, we can't go wrong. Because the economy is love. It's all about the love of God. And faith is something that needs to be in operation. Don't have a lot of time, but I want to look at some things really quickly. And then I want to pray for you. I want to release this thing called faith. And watch what God does. Not hope, like this kind of hope, but a hope with an expected end hope that God's going to change your situation. How many of you guys have a situation that needs to be changed? Anybody? I believe with all of my heart that the power of God is here to change your situation. Romans chapter 12 just um, says this, that we have, in essence, says we have been given a measure of faith. We've all been given a measure of faith. And then we read in Hebrews um, what's known as the hall of faith. You guys have heard of that before, that, that by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by uh, faith Noah, by faith Abraham. And it goes on and on to say that by faith. And what we've got to understand is that we all have faith. When you receive Jesus into your life, you've been given this measure of faith that is intended to go into operation, release God's kingdom into this world, release healing, release salvation, release grace, release his love by faith, by faith, Moses. And we do this, and as we pray, we say this, God, I have faith. I have faith in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. And that's not a bad thing. We've prayed that, right? I have faith in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. Scripture tells us, and we're going to look at this, that I don't just have faith in Jesus, but I have the faith of Jesus. That's so beautiful and perfect because Jesus' faith was and is perfect faith. So the measure of faith that I have is Jesus' faith, and it's perfect faith. That's why we're able to go and do what Jesus did, because we have his faith in operation in us to produce these things in this world. It's ours, folks. Do you understand that? This is ours. This is what we have. But faith in Jesus. What are we waiting for Jesus to do? What are we waiting for him to do? And it's probably different for each one of us. Some of you are waiting for healing. Some of you are waiting for your circumstance to change. Some of you are waiting, maybe without even realizing, but the blockage in your life is unforgiveness. So you're waiting for that blockage to be removed. What is it that you're waiting for Jesus to do? The problem with that is Jesus has done everything that could be done concerning your situation. 2,000 years ago when Jesus died, grace on that cross died and he became your sin. He took your circumstances and it was dealt with 2,000 years ago. It was dealt with for you. You stand with the faith of Christ. The completed work of the cross is now in operation in every believer. So we're not waiting for Jesus to do anything. We tap into the faith, the grace, the love of God that he already did it. It's already been accomplished. I don't have to walk out and travail over over, um, dealing with stuff in my life because it's already been dealt with. 
The travail that Jesus went through as he walked down the road to Golgotha, as he was flogged on that beating post with those lashes for you and for me, as those nails were driven in his hands and in his feet, he travailed so that you wouldn't have to. The work of the cross, listen to me, is a completed work, which means now I am able to stand complete in him. Complete means this, I am lacking nothing. Now, we're in this earthen vessel that doesn't always line up with the truth of the cross. So what we do is we're not talking God into anything. If anything, we're talking ourselves into something. I tell myself that I am healed, and that's not a begging thing. That's me changing my mind. I am healed because of the work of the cross. My life is changed because of the work of the cross. I'm able to forgive because Jesus took that bitter, ugly unforgiveness on the cross so that I wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. So my saying and releasing the truth of God's word and who I am is not to change God's opinion whatsoever. It's to change my opinion. I don't have to say, I am the righteousness of God. I'm the righteousness of God because I am because of what Jesus did. Remember, he became my sin and I became what? Isn't that good news? And so when I'm telling myself I'm the righteousness of God, it's because my mind hasn't gotten it yet. So I speak the truth concerning who I am. We understand that it is a completed work. We understand that what Christ did is a finished work. By finished, I mean Jesus has already done everything he's going to do about the devil. Jesus has done everything that he's going to do about your righteousness. Jesus has done everything that he's going to do about your victory in life. Dear God, give me more abundant life. Give me more abundant life. The cross purchased more abundant life for me. If I'm not living the more abundant life that's been purchased for me, then something's got to shift in here to line up with the truth. My opinion doesn't always line up with the truth. So I don't go by what I always think. I change what I think by the truth of his word and what he thinks about me. He has already done it or taken care of it for me. He's defeated the devil. He stripped him of his authority. The devil has no authority. Listen to me. The devil has no authority over you. None. As a believer, the devil has no authority over you. The only thing he has is permissiveness. We permit him. He gives the thoughts and then we permit him. We permit those thoughts. That's why he says, take your thoughts captive. Captive according to what? According to the truth. According to the truth that the devil has no authority. So he gives me thoughts, but I take those thoughts captive in accordance to what's really true. He's the father of lies. What does that say? He birthed them. He brought them into being. What? Lies. He's very good at lying to you. The devil wants to convince you that you're something that you're not. My identity changed. My freedom came, truly came, when I understood who, and I'm understanding, let me say that, who I am. His attacks are the same. The devil's attacks are the same. Jesus, after 40 days, you've heard it before, hear it again, let it sink in. 
The first temptation after Jesus, um, when, when he was in the wilderness, was not eat this bread or turn this bread into stone into bread. The first temptation was, if you are the Son of God. The attack is always going to be against the truth of who you are. He's a liar. If you're defeated today, it's, if you're living in defeat, it's because you've believed a lie. And you've come into agreement with that lie. If you're depressed today as a believer, you have come into agreement with the lie. You can walk out of your addiction. You can walk out of your bondage. You can walk away free by agreeing with the truth of who you are. I'm going to say, yes, God, I agree with that. And sometimes God says stuff to me or speaks stuff to me or hear a word and I know it's true. But my flesh says, I don't like that. That doesn't sound right because I know what I struggle with. And I know how my thoughts can be stupid sometimes, but I have to put myself in agreement with the fact that Jesus said, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I put myself in agreement with the fact that all things have passed away, all things have become new. And when you can say that in the midst of things not feeling new in your life, then you're getting this thing. He's defeated the devil. He's given you victory. And then after (laughs) Ephesians, it says, and then he sat down. (laughs) He sat down. You have victory. Jesus sat down. God, what a powerful position. Jesus isn't up wringing his hands about the situations in the church. He's not wringing his hands. Oh, my God, what are we going to do about Zach? Oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? He's sitting in the position of authority, the position, the ultimate position of rest. In Ephesians 2, or Ephesians yeah, 2, says that we are seated with him. That's our position. So in that position, we go, oh, God, what are you going to do about my marriage? God, what are you going to do? Oh, he's not worried about it. He's not concerned about it. Sit in the place of authority that Jesus has put you in. Put yourself in agreement with, no, I'm seated with him in heavenly places. I thank you that every, every aspect of the devil is under Jesus' feet, which means I'm Jesus' body, a part of his body, so it's under my feet too. Right? So you have that. Seated far above everything, Jesus says. I've seated far above everything, and I did it for you. I shared something quite a while ago that um, just a, a transitional point in my life where I was beginning to learn about identity, just beginning, and I'm still, please, please, uh, I'm learning. I'm so learning with you about God's grace and his love and his identity and what he thinks about me blows my mind because I don't always think. The way that he's telling me he thinks about me. I struggle with that. I still struggle with that. Anyone else? Because you know you, right? But you don't know the real you. You know the matrix. You don't know the real you. Like he knows the real you. And so I, there was a time where things were transitioning in my life. And so in our house we have, and I've shared this before, we have those old benches called benches called deacon benches built into the woodwork of our house. And And I was praying, and I felt like the Holy Spirit very clearly. I didn't feel like I know. He said very clearly, get up on that bench. Thank God that Christine wasn't home at the time. People weren't watching because I I looked like a fool, I'm sure. 
And so I'm okay, God, I'm up on the bed just trying to be obedient. You know, when you hear things very specifically like that, be obedient. And I'll tell you this, maybe you hear things and it's not real specific, you're not sure, be obedient anyway. I'd rather mess up being trying to be obedient than remaining in a dormant state doing nothing. I would rather mess up by stepping out trying to obey God. So here I am standing on this bench. <laughs> I don't remember what I said. <laughs> what did I say? Rather be obedient. Mess up. I don't remember what I said. You have to buy the CD. I do remember. I just want you to buy a CD. I'm just kidding. I don't remember what I said. <laughs> so I'm trying to be obedient. I'm standing on this bench. And the Lord says to me, something very simple, but to me, I think simple things for me, because of how I am, simple things are so profound to me. You know what I mean? It's not this profound revelation where I suddenly understand the book of Revelations and there's this profound revelation in my life. I want that. That'd be wonderful. I'd have the profound, you know. But to me, it's these simple elementary revelations the Holy Spirit gives me that have so much profound impact on my life. So I'm standing on this bench. He's like, look around. And he's like, what does it look like? And I'm going, what do you mean, what does it look like? I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm really, in my mind even, but in my, with my mouth, more with my thoughts, I'm having this this dialogue with God. Why? What am I looking at? What am I seeing? And he began to show me that I could see the tops of things that I couldn't see before. My positioning had changed and so things looked differently than they did before. And he said, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go with this revelation of my grace, of my love for you. Let it propel you to the place of your position that you're seated with him. And watch what things look like from the mountaintop. Watch what things look like from being seated with him in heavenly places. And so when I gain that perspective, I've got to remind myself of that position. I've got to remind myself of that perspective because I'll be honest with you, I don't always, I get frustrated, I get angry. I know none of you do. And I doubt, I know none of you do. But when I remind myself of my position and I remind myself of standing up there, I say, boy, things do look differently from up here. And God is saying, listen, I want you to gain my perspective on things. I want you to see things the way that I see things. I'm seated far above everything. And he's saying this, and I did it for you. That's why the gospel is not a God can gospel. It's a God did gospel. It's already done. It's already done. God, can you? God, can you? And, and instead say, God, you did. Now show me. Now show me what this means for me. What does it look like for me? Because you did it. Don't beg him to do anything. He already did it. He's done it for you. He's done it for you. Ah, oh. God, that's good news. You don't have to do it. We, we, I, and I say we and I say I, but I want you to be a part of this with me. I need to quit fighting stuff in the natural. 
Quit fighting stuff in the natural. Satan is... Satan. I don't know why I said it that way. Satan <laughs> is far below you, and you are far above him. It is not par as far as power and authority is concerned. Not even close. You've been seated with him far above all principalities and power. That's your position. fighting stuff in the natural. Jesus, the head, right? We, the body, we have the same righteousness, we have the same life, we have the same victory, and the same authority as Christ. We have the same faith. The same faith. God is not going to do it. He did it. You don't have to talk him into doing anything. There's something about persistency, and the scripture talks about that, being persistent, being persistent. I'm, 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 uh, and again, hear me, we're on this journey together of discovering, right? We're on this journey of revelation together. I am not from a position of having all revelation, and I'm giving it to you. We're doing this together. So there's a revealing to revealing, glory to glory, revelation to revelation that's taking place. It's a healthy thing in our lives. But I'm not too sure... Um, going to say. We've got to deal with life from a different perspective. We've got to deal with life from a different perspective. God has already done it because he's done it in you and he's done it for you and it's all been taken care of. What was I talking about before that? Glory to glory. Before that I was saying something. never going back to that church again. Did you see what that pastor did? (laughs) Being persistent. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. It's, there's this persistency that I'm, I'm not too convinced that the persistency of asking, asking, asking doesn't finally, finally make this wonderful, glorious God say, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll let you have that healing. I think something in us is shifting and changing as we're persistent. I think something changes in us. I think that, that stability is formed. I think, it, I think that our asking establishes persistency. I think that our continuing to ask and, 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 and wrestle with things causes tenacity in us that a lot of times is lacking in believers. I don't think that when we're praying, God, I need... Uh, this wonderful thing in my life and this God who gives nothing but good gifts is holding back from us. Ask me 10 more times and then I'll give it to you. Okay, you ask just enough times, bling, now it's yours. Do you really think that God works that way? I think that something shifts in us. I think that revelation changes with our persistency. If nothing else, all that time of being persistent with me has produced an intimacy. If nothing else, I got to be with him all those times that I was persistently waiting for something. If nothing else, I got to be with the lover of my soul. (laughs) And if that's all I get, that's all I get, that's all I get is to commune with the lover of my soul. If that's all I get, then that's enough. 
If all I get is intimacy with my creator, then that's enough. If all I get is the revelation that the distance isn't shortened, but now he's inside of me and I get to commune with him. I don't have to wait for that, that strum of the, the, the guitar or the, those keys that are that chord, that right chord that moves you is played. I get to commune with him right where I'm at, right in the middle of my stuff. And that's important because when you're out in the world, we need to release from that place of communing with him. We need to release from the place of intimacy with God. I love what happens here in worship. I love what he said is so true. It's been so anointed lately. What is happening? You're engaging. You're releasing something called worship, and that's why the atmosphere is changing. It's not like God is saying, "Mm, I think I'm going to go be with them today. He's right here, and you're releasing the truth of who he is. You're releasing the truth of who you are. Because worship is what? Remember when Jesus was doing that taboo thing, (laughs) meeting with the woman at the well? Because you know that wasn't okay for him to do that by most standards, right? He wasn't supposed to. He was breaking the rules. Not for the sake of breaking the rules, because there's a difference. He was breaking the rules for the sake of loving someone. And what did he say? The time is coming and now is. When true worshipers, what? Will worship in spirit and in truth. And so spirit is breath. And it denotes spirit to spirit, truth to truth, if we look at it properly. So it's breath to breath, truth to truth. So worship is this, God breathes, we breathe. It's a breathing in and out. It's an exchanging of breath with the Holy Spirit when we worship. And so when that breath gets in the atmosphere, it changes the atmosphere. Truth is revelation, revelation to revelation. What happens in worship is that we come as we are. If you don't come as you are, then you'll probably leave unchanged. But if you come as you are, not afraid for God or anyone else to see your stuff. Who cares about the pointed fingers and the judgmental looks? Who cares that your situation isn't pleasing to the religious? Who cares? But when you come with purpose to say, this is who I am, then God says, guess what? And this is who I am. And that breath to breath and revealing to revealing transforms the atmosphere. And so when we go outside of these four walls, breathing and revealing, breathing and revealing, we change the atmosphere that we're in. Be it Walmart, be it our home, be it in our our schools. He's so, listen to me. I don't know if I've ever said this before in this church. He's so in love with you. (laughs) It's a new one. Write that one down. Write that one down. We'll put that out on our window. He's in love with you. He's in love with you. He's the lover of your soul. He's the lover of your soul in the middle of your pit. He's a lover of your soul when you've made your own bed and most people would say, then you lay in it. He's saying, "Ah, but I'm the lover of your soul. I can get you out of that bed that you've made for yourself. 
God's response is never, you've made this mess, or you've made this bed, now you lay in it. You reap what you sow. He does say that. But he always, always is ready and willing to bring you out of what you've sown. Here's the picture. Here's the deal. Let God be true. And every man a liar. Every opinion that I have, let it be a lie in the face of God's opinion. And I am not going to come into agreement with the lie, even if it's my opinion that I've had since I was, can remember. I've had opinions of myself. I have opinions of you. Not you. Not you. Not just you. I have opinions of you. Can I tell you this? Can I be human? They're not always good opinions. And you don't always have good opinions of me. But what I'm saying is I'm not going to come into agreement with that opinion if it's contrary to God's opinion, which I believe is probably why he says we no longer regard each other according to the flesh. My opinion of you cannot be based on your performance, what you've done and what you haven't done, because that's not God's opinion. Right? His opinion is based on what he's done for us. It's made us righteous. So I'm going to come into agreement with that opinion. You are the head and not the tail. We've got, to, we've got to, because his arm is not too short, that he can't reach to the deepest of pits and bring you out with his love and grace and set you on a sure foundation. When everything around you was unstable, he can bring stability in your life. And because God is more than willing to get in that pit with you, go there with you, guess what, church? As his body, guess what? We gotta be willing. We gotta be willing to say, I'm gonna get my hands dirty. This, this loving people and releasing the faith of God and what I have in my life outside of these four walls is going to be an invasive thing. You know, you, maybe you don't. If you're doing this, you know. You have no idea the times where I've, I've told someone, listen, I sincerely, I, from, with sincerity, I believe in you. In the middle of their struggles, we're saying, you don't understand what I'm struggling with. Just that, something switches. Something changes just to have someone say, I believe in you. Do you know what, ba- when I initially got saved, and oh God, I've come so far since then, the initial thing is someone believing in me in spite of myself. Someone seeing something outside of the lifestyle that I was living. Someone seeing me differently than what I saw myself, and for that matter, what most people saw. Someone, not just God, but God through someone, saw something and said, I believe in you. I believe in you. That's what happened with Matthew, right? Right? Had to have been. Jesus said, follow me. He abandoned everything. Jesus saw something, saw past his wretchedness. That he was despised by most. God sees past stuff. And so church, that's what we've got to do. Uh, No, be careful with that. 
Thank you, God, for your faith at work in us. Thank you, God, for the completed work of the cross. Thank you, God, that you make sense out of what I felt like. There's lots of little rabbit trails. Bring it all together. Thank you, God, that there were certain things that someone, excuse me, here needed to hear. And I trust you. And I believe that today. Thank you, God, for your life. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, God, that when I'm being a brat, you correct me. Thank you, God, for that. Yeah. Thank you, God, for... I'm thanking you right now, God, for every situation that seems huge and insurmountable and a mountain in people's lives here today. I thank you for that today because we, we know, we believe by faith that that test is producing a testimony that's gonna change people's lives. So I thank you for that, God, today. And I thank you, God, for the faith that we have, Jesus, that's your faith inside of us and that we can speak to the mountain. We can speak to that mountainous thing, that mountainous uh, disappointment, the mountainous depression. We can speak to the mountainous addiction. We can speak to the mountainous unforgiveness. And we can speak because we have that faith. And we can say, be moved and cast into the sea and it will be done. We have that inside of us. So God, I thank you for every mountain in here today. God, I thank you for every mountain and I thank you for every person with the ability inside of them to speak to that today. If you're facing some stuff today and you just, you want agreement in prayer, just whatever it may be,